0: Hey, guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. You know, that young person who graduated college this past spring and is now getting ready to go get that big job. Well, here, guess what? Get over to Leon Tailoring and check out their career services division. They've got lots of good professional attire, resume advice for both your young men and young women who are getting off into that world of work. Hey, they graduated. They did all the interviews. Now they got the big job coming up. So make sure they look the part. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. That's Leon Tailoring, 809 north delaware downtown indianapolis well it has been a couple years uh since we had the big disturbances in downtown indianapolis but downtown uh is making a comeback slowly but surely and so join us to talk about uh what's going on with downtown indianapolis and not only how it impacts the city of indianapolis but also the whole state of indiana is a good friend bob schultz the interim director of downtown indian so bob my friend how's it going good to see it's you it's
1: good to see you abdul it's always good to run into you on the circle and here we are now in the studio <laughs>
0: all right uh, so let's uh how have things uh downtown been impacted since the uh, Big riots and disturbances we had a couple years ago.
1: Yeah you know obviously downtown was devastated as most downtowns and urban cores were across the nation uh, and we understand that. The good news is we have recovered uh, and we look at a downtown that's back, a downtown that's vibrant. Uh, about the only thing that we're not seeing as much as we'd like to is a return to the everyday workforce but I think that's the new the new day right and so we're going to I have this foot traffic be a little bit lessened during the workday, but primarily weekends, evenings, that vibrancy is back. You just see this energy, this revitalization. People are eager to rediscover what they love about downtown and they, you know, We still have 30,000 people who are living in downtown, and that's an economic engine for the entire city and state.
0: Uh, Talk talk to us a little bit about the comeback and just sort of what you folks went through over the past couple years to get downtown sort of back to where it needs to be.
1: Well, we certainly paid attention to safety and security. That was probably and continues to be a number one concern of people who have not made their way back downtown. We all have this PTSD of those days when the boarded-up buildings were there, when the only people that were kind of hanging out around the circle we're up to no good. Uh, and, and those days have been responded to quickly. And, you know, we had two terrible nights in downtown two years ago. And then beyond that, we had 150 protests and demonstrations that went incident free. So, you know, the IMPD is a great partner as we've stepped through this recovery. Uh, business interests have been paramount. We want people to go back to restaurants and retailers but retail itself has changed uh and it was already changing before the pandemic but we lost a few restaurants but we've gained a lot more uh and so we're seeing that return we're seeing a foot traffic increase on the circle mass Ave, that whole incredible area up in Bottleworks. what we're seeing over at 16 tech so a lot more districts that were are kind of playing together a little bit more and more so it's it is about this talent attraction and retention but it's also about this—the Central Indiana visitor, if we can call them that—you uh, know, whether they're from Speedway or, or you know, Nora or even across the state at Fort Wayne and Evansville. The further you are away, as you come into downtown, you're rediscovering how great of a downtown we have. How
0: we've have we been on uh, conventions over the past couple of years?
1: Conventions have tracked very well. In fact, there have <laughs> been some weekends where. Indianapolis has outpaced Orlando, Chicago, L.A., and New York. Uh, and so we've been very pleased with our convention product. You know, certainly the leisure conventions, uh, the, the festivals, you know, this weekend is uh, PopCon, uh, and you're paying attention to a number. You know, Gen Con is back in full. We're seeing uh, some of the big conventions, FDIC, the fire de- department folks. This uh, summer, you know, we're going to welcome back Gen Con in full. You know, they, they never, you know, they, they took one year off, but then they were back. So the conventions, you think about that, the, the money that is brought into our state that would not have come into our state if it weren't for these convention delegates, this isn't replacement spending. You know, you and I can choose to go golfing today, or we can choose to hang out at a uh, Nicky Blaine <laughs> or wherever we're going to hang out, and that's the same income, right? It's going to be spent locally. This is new money coming into our community, and it and it pays off very well.
0: That voice you're hearing is Bob Schultz. Bob is the interim director of Downtown Indy Inc. Uh, the sort of uh, sort of the the, the marketing arm, uh, sort of the ambassador for downtown Indianapolis. So it's been a couple of years since we had the big riots and disturbances downtown. So we figured we'd check in with Bob to see how things are going uh, here in the city uh, of Indianapolis, and not only uh, downtown's impact on the city, but also on the state of Indiana um, as well. Uh, Bob, you talked about uh, the conventions. Uh, and they sort of took a year off. Was it because of the pandemic, or was it because of other other factors?
1: Oh, it was totally because of the pandemic. In fact, our return to convention traffic and, and even business travel and leisure travel was catapulted further along than other cities, primarily because our convention center didn't have to be used as a COVID treatment facility or an overflow facility. And we were going after uh, conventions. Our, our friends at Visit Indy, you know, we're going after sports programs and, and these tournaments that were taking them right from Chicago because they had to use their spaces for COVID overflow. Uh, and, and then there were limitations and the Marion County Health Department and Visit Indy and the mayor's office all worked together to create process. And the, the folks at the Indiana Convention Center and Lucas Oil Stadium found a way to host people in larger numbers, socially distant, and that cadence continued. And we were outpacing again the competition left and right and now things are back to normal we originally thought recovery would happen in 2024 to get back to pre-covid numbers we're going to see those numbers hit from what we're told by visit indy by uh, next year we're at 85 percent recovered uh, in the convention industry
0: so we say a lot of vent up sort of people ready to get to get back (laughs) out
1: they want to meet and greet and they need to to, uh, have conversations and you know more and more that that's happening, and then the leisure product has increased as well. Whether you're coming from Carmel or or other places, people want to come into kind of that downtown core, take advantage of this great hospitality product that we have with connected hotels and restaurants, and and uh, all of that has produced uh, a lot of uh, economics for the state.
0: How does downtown compete, you know, with the with the Carmels and what they're doing with their downtown area, uh, with other sort of smaller? You no know, cities are starting to do like, you know, whether Greenfield to the east, or you know, maybe Avon, Plainfield, you know, Martinsville to to the west and south, and Greenwood.
1: Well, you are right on. It's it's it is a competition for the the consumer dollar, you know. And I love Carmel. I love Fishers. I, I visit them quite frequently. They have discovered what we what downtown Indianapolis discovered years ago is that you get this this mixed use development of residential, re- street level retail, nearby hotels, entertainment venues, and that creates this culture. Now downtown Indianapolis it, it's grown organically and authentically, and I I jokingly say to my friends up in Carmel they got Disney World up there for their for their downtown, but it works. It's a great downtown. Fishers, a great downtown. Noblesville, Zionsville, as you just said, you know these these communities, their leadership is seeing that economic growth because of its strong urban core. What we now need to do is talk about how do we get folks to step outside of that and come and experience what. Would be dinner and a show, you know, a Pacer game, uh, a eventually a Colts are back in play, and in our, our theater programs, and how can we put bundled, bundled experiences together to kind of attract that local visitor dollar? How do you do that? Well, it's a, it's a matter of connecting those dots. Uh, people want itineraries; they want to know that they can come down and go to this show and choose three or four restaurants from uh, nearby, have access to parking, and that's just kind of keeping that drumbeat going. And that's one of the reasons we exist.
0: That voice here is our good friend Bob Schultz. Bob is with the head of the interim head of downtown Indy Inc, uh, sort of the, the 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 friendly ambassador arm to downtown uh, Indianapolis. And we're sort of having a conversation about downtown today, and sort of how things have, have gone and sort of worked out uh, over the past couple of years. Uh, Bob, I know one of the big issues has always been uh, safety, and I always say with safety, there's sort of two things: there's there's what it is, and there's what the public perceives uh, yes. it to be. How how is downtown safety issues? sort of working themselves out right so now. So
1: let's talk first about the reality. Okay, downtown is the safest district in the county. It's less than 5% of all crime that happens citywide or countywide occurs downtown. That means 95% of the crime happening in our community is happening outside of downtown. That's But crime is crime, and it makes people uncomfortable and... But it gets higherly or higherly. There's a good word. For <laughs> it. it gets great, more greatly talked about because people have a relationship when they hear about a crime that has occurred on the canal or on Monument Circle versus you know the the 900 block of some other street somewhere.
0: And I also, think, too, uh, part of it is that the fact that because the crime is so rare in the downtown area that when it happens,
1: when it gets it, get, it get
0: blows up maybe a lot bigger than say. Something on you know, 42nd and Post Road or Mithoffer.
1: Right, and I don't have the statistic, but the majority of all crime that does happen has been brought into downtown. It's, a, it's, it's frustrations of people that it gets resolved uh, at a bar or gets resolved across the canal uh, with people uh, taking you know, violent steps. And, and it doesn't belong here. It frustrates us, obviously. We have a great partnership, as I mentioned, with IMPD. And you know, since 2016, crime is down 53% in downtown. Uh, and that is because of increased patrols, we hire off-duty officers and put them in hot spots. The city brings in additional resources. We have these B-link cameras that have been reported here on WIBC uh, that has found uh, the perpetrators and so, you know, it's it's responding when crime happens, but it's also acknowledging that, unfortunately, crime is everywhere. It will be everywhere, uh, but the least amount of it is happening in downtown Indianapolis.
0: Uh, what are you folks doing with the, with the merchants and residents and visitors uh, here in downtown to sort of be a, as, as proactive as you can uh, to addressing the crime issue?
1: Well, and part of it is we're uh, going to be launching a new app. It's called uh, See Here, Say Here. Uh, it is an app that's used in a couple other communities that we've noticed. It's that traditional thing is we all have to be more self-aware. And if we see something, we got to say something. If something looks suspicious, guess what? It probably is suspicious. And that needs to be reported. And so more people would report concerns instead of just getting their camera out and photographing when the crime is occurring. And so it's, it's just looking at resources that are timely, that it's a good use of technology. We have these cameras that are linked into IMPD's uh, master uh, area where they pay attention to these hot zones. But then it's also uh, communicating... That safety story, you know, density pushes crime away. So the more that we have people filling our streets, coming down to events, uh, re-engaging with the community, the more crime is pushed away.
0: Uh, how is our homeless issue? And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I remind people that there's a difference between homeless and panhandlers. Good. Oh, there's a
1: major difference between the two. You have come so far, Abdul. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, was always, I was always kind of there. with, the, with You the were. Home. You were. You're a good, you're a good advocate <laughs> here. Yeah, I mean, uh, aggressive panhandling is illegal and, we're, and it needs to be addressed with a, a legislative response. And those who are doing illegal activity need to be held accountable, and our prosecutor needs to prosecute them, and our judges need to give uh, appropriate fines and, and, and penalties, penalties, sir. But you know the majority of, of what people consider uh, are homeless, uh, we need a compassionate response to that. And these, a lot of them are are off their meds or uh, have a mental health issue. And we need to surround them with services, and we have all the service providers downtown working so well together. But you know, homelessness has been around since Christ was a corporal, right? And so we have a long-term problem. All of us need to have a a, a systemic response, and it's about a housing first model. It's not just about pushing them away or putting them in a shelter. It's about how can we give them access to housing and that's where our new efforts are addressing. We are looking for a low barrier efforts to get them into services and move them out and paying attention to who's out there and knowing them and so one shot after the next but it's, it you know, as soon as you help someone, other people become homeless and then that continues the the cycle.
0: Something else I've noticed too is, and, and, and once again the, I always say the road to hell is paved with good attention. <laughs> yes. you have uh, folks from outside of uh indianapolis or outside of the, the immediate downtown area who bring food and and also things and and i totally understand you know why you want to do you want to be compassionate but i say sometimes you're, you're just making the problem worse
1: well you got to deal uh, recognize and i agree with you i think i agree they're do-gooders and i used to be one of them when i was uh years ago i would would help our own church bring food down and and feed the homeless it sounds wonderful but it creates a chaotic environment if it's not well-regulated, if it's not done in a space that is appropriately lit, that has access to restrooms, hand-washing stations, and security. Uh, And so you're talking about a very vulnerable population, and we've had people who come and just open the back of their trunks, and what does that do? It creates chaos as well as trash, which leads to other issues. And, in fact, some of our recent violence has been associated with something, as you've discussed, was created because of the chaos uh, of this community. And so we've advocated, we continue to advocate and work with the mayor's office, work with IMPD to have these feeding opportunities to help our homeless neighbors in spaces and places that are appropriately designed for that, where they're registered with the health department. So we know the food is being served. It's not just produced in someone's garage, uh, but in, there's, it's done in a commercial kitchen and we know it's going to happen. And there's safety and security. There's there's cameras to, to monitor uh, illegal activity and respond to that. And there's there's well-lit areas. So one of those areas is the parking lot immediately north of Old City Hall, uh, right on the corner of New York and Alabama. You know, these are the places and spaces where we can appropriately uh, feed our homeless neighbors and help those do-gooders do good uh, instead of creating chaos.
0: Bob Schultz with us for a few more minutes on the program day. Bob is the head of downtown Indy, the interim head of downtown Indy. Uh, Bob, I know Bob... Since uh, COVID hit, uh, a lot of our, our commercial real estate spaces have, have changed because you got folks who are, who are working from home now, not necessarily doing the commute. Uh, how are we with our commercial space and sort of down here in downtown Indianapolis?
1: Well, you know, lease-ups are going to be discovered more in arrears, right? So you, people have multi-year leases. And so we're not, just now starting to see the impact of COVID, of, of businesses need, uh, able to shrink their footprint uh, in a particular office. I think this is going to be a long game of repurposing a lot of our commercial real estate, of our tower space. Uh, We're seeing a a good example with our our friends with Keystone uh, Construction and and Keystone Development are looking at one of their big buildings, AT&T building, and converting that to condos. Uh, So you're going to see this multi-use space of condos, of residential growth, even Circle Center. We're looking at that as a retail commercial node but how do we add residential to that? Continue that street-level retail vibrancy that's so important for density, but then look at at spaces and places where companies could get along with less space because not the entire workforce is coming back all at once, uh, but they'd still need a downtown address. So fortunately, Indianapolis is a perfectly sized place and space to allow for that, uh, that ebb and flow, and people who might not have had a downtown address before because they thought they had to staff 100 offices can maybe do so with less, more hoteling, as they say, and, and co-working space, but still have a downtown address, ha- entertain their clients, but at the same time, create that mentoring relationship. And that's what we're hearing more and more from businesses, is that their younger workforce need to be in an office with uh, more seasoned pros, like you and me, uh, who, who can that's, show that's, them the that's,
0: ways. That's a nice way of saying old guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bob, we coming got a couple minutes left here. Uh, so what would you say uh, to... to- to, to the audience, like I said, that's listening right now uh, about downtown Indianapolis that they just may not be aware of.
1: You know, downtown is alive and well. It, I, I also want to share that the downtown footprint is about a two-mile radius of around the circle. All right, So it generates 20% of the tax revenue for the entire city and the county. So as downtown goes, so goes the city. As the city goes, so goes the state. And so we think about this economic engine of our urban core. And it's important if you live in Ligoti or if you live in in Zionsville or wherever, that you see the importance of that urban core. It's the the only way the city can make money is on property tax and income tax. And both those are the strongest in its urban core. And if we have a vibrant urban core, uh, that's what we all deserve is that economic engine. And so that vibrancy factor, the things you love about downtown... The daytime experiences, the evening experiences, they're all here, they're all back. Uh, and we just encourage people to come down and not take the words of some of the friends you and I know <laughs> and assume that it's an apocalyptic hellhole. It might have been that way for a couple weeks, a couple years ago, but we are back uh, and we're welcoming uh, thousands and thousands. Our festivals are back. This is a great weekend of festivals. We're going to see the Indian market around the corner. We're going to see, you know, the Italian Street is this weekend. Pride is this weekend. Uh, We have a number of other festivals. I'm looking at Max, my my co-worker (laughs) here, thinking through of all of our festivals. Uh, You know, so come down and and be part of your community. And that's what we encourage. And and so I, I look forward to this continued vibrancy. We're going to start... Next week, Abdul, every day on The Circle, we're going to have entertainment out there over the lunch hour and Friday evenings. We'll start Sunday concerts. We went to a great movie uh, uh, on American Legion Mall uh, earlier this week. It's just we're seeing time and time again this energy is back. So come on back.
0: All right. Our guest on the program today has been our good friend Bob Schultz. Bob is the interim director of Downtown Indique. Bob, my friend, always good to chat with you. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks,
1: Abdul. See you out there.